serious, blessed people, that he wants you to be fully informed, fully enlightened, fully aware, fully educated about these things. How you perceive the Lord will determine how you view him, right? Number two, how you relate with him. Number three, how you worship him, right? So if you don't understand the Lord well, and you thought probably, you know, he is the prosperity God you see being preached in the church today. If you thought that Jehovah you worship, or Jesus you worship, is the prosperity Jesus you see being preached in the church today. That's another Jesus. Then you are in trouble because you might think that he tolerates sin. You might think he accepts sin. And then you will not, you will not even treat the holiness of God more seriously. Number one. And then number two, you will not even treat uh, the holiness required of you more seriously. Number three, you will even trivialize the role of salvation. Because the role of salvation was to bring you back to holiness. And then number four, it will determine how you worship him. Number five, it will determine how you walk in your Christian faith, salvation. Number six, it will then determine your destiny. That is serious. Whether you enter heaven or not, right? Are we still together? So, God Almighty Jehovah, he wants you to be fully enlightened about these things. And many more that I've not put here. About death, about resurrection, about Christ's return. How many are they? There is the rapture and the second coming, so you don't confuse the two. That the rapture comes like a thief. At an hour you don't expect. So the imminency is supreme. And you should be aware that any time he can come, you should live your life as in, how about if he came right now as we're talking? Would I make it? Every time you wake up in the morning, you must wake up and put your knees down and you say, Lord, today as I wake up, I don't know what this day holds. Probably this could be the day you return for the church, but please don't forget me. Teach me today. Guide me. Order my steps. Give me zero tolerance to sin today. Hearken me on righteousness, holiness. I'm waiting for you, Lord. So that prayer in the morning, he will take it and see the desire of your heart, right? So, he wants you to be fully informed about the rapture, the second coming, the role of the dead into that rapture, and then holiness. And those are two I say, the holiness of God. So that you don't become like the present day church that's preaching another God. Because they have trivialized the holiness of Jehovah. As if you can come here and just dance the way you dance in morality. The, the worship, the, the worship uh, leaders, worship uh, artists, worship artists today, when she's, she has put on a tight dress, she's dancing, showing herself. That's what she's showing the world, my Lord. So that you don't do that. They're preaching another God. He's saying that he wants you to be fully aware, fully educated, well informed about these matters that anchor your faith. The holiness of God that you may not trivialize it like your modern day church in Nairobi. Where sometimes they call boys and girls and teach them dating. 
Yeah. That's why this is key. He really wants you not to be ignorant of these things, these matters, that all may go well with you, right? Fully informed, fully enlightened, fully educated, well aware, fully aware, and to avoid misinformation about them. To avoid saying that, look, the Lord does not look at my dressing. To avoid saying those things. That's misinformation about Jehovah. Because it says anyone that looks at a woman and laughs at her, he has fallen with that woman into sin. And you are a daughter of God, you don't want the devil to use you, so you become a daughter of the devil. Not at all. So he says you must be fully informed about these benchmarks of salvation, right? These standards of God, yardsticks, anchors of your faith, right? Again, I'm running through them. Death, resurrection, Christ's return, the rapture, second coming, the role of the dead in that rapture, holiness of God, holiness requirements in the church, the holiness of Christ, and the role of the Holy Spirit in revealing the holiness of Jesus to us. Under holiness, right? And righteousness. The fact that we should have the righteousness of God, if you get time to read Philippians chapter 3, 8 and 10. Righteousness. And that you might even go forward. He wants you to go forward and ask yourself, what is righteousness then? How is it different from holiness? He wants you to be well informed. That you may not read the one day, say, Pastor Wangu, Kule wa kwanza alipigwa transfer. Alafu sasa wapili, sasa wakata alikuja hakuanzia hapo, hakufunza hiyo. No. No. There won't be that moment, my daughter, right? <laughs> I see you laughing over there. <laughs> alipigwa transfer. Venye sasa alikuwa amefanya makosa sasa akapigwa tu transfer. Not at all. You must know the distinction between holiness and righteousness. What is God saying to you? What does he require of you? Because he has given the cross. He has given the blood. He has sent the Holy Spirit. I am willing. So please help me. When you seek, he will open it to you. Right? And he says he wants you to be aware of purity. Is there any requirement on purity? What is purity? In Christian salvation. Right? And what is my role? What are the demands of God on me regarding purity? And he wants you to be aware, fully aware, fully educated about shining the light of Christ in this dark world. He wants you to be aware on your role of shining that light to reach out as evangelism, to reach out to the dying world. So he does not want you to be ignorant about this, neither does he want you to have a disinformation, misinformation, fake news about this. Are we together? Serious stuff, right? Very seriously. And Chaka, and Jano Kabingo, I mean, Kabingo, Mwishima, we are happy to have you. Very serious. Very serious stuff. That many Christians are just walking around in ignorance. And they panic. When you tell them to open a scripture, their first worry, will I get the right page? You understand? So he says, no, no, let's settle this matter now. Just read the Bible. Open the Bible to them. Teach them, not from their phones, but to open the book. The book, 
read. It's just beautiful. This is an awesome word. The word of God, my Lord. And so he's saying, we should enjoy opening it, meaning you need to spend time with the word yourself. You ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, and you open, so you get to learn the books. Not when you're here, and I tell you, open this, and then you're fumbling, your friend shows you this one, and so forth. He says, we need to be well informed. Well informed about the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then get to know the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, and then put together and get to know that He is the same God. He still judges sin. And you need to be aware about apostasy. You need full information, fully educated, fully informed, fully enlightened, fully aware about apostasy. They're falling away from faith. In that way, you are able to guard yourself, raise your guards. Thank you so much, Japheth Korea, for writing because they are waiting. So, very serious. Hmm? He says he does not want you to fail to know because, first of all, for example, the scripture we covered, remember when we covered Revelation 14? When I handled the vision of the pulpit, when God lowered for me a pulpit, a wooden pulpit from heaven, and asked me to replace the one that was glass sophisticated at the altar. And we anchored that message on Revelation 14. And there are many things that came up there. And as we read the things about the eternal gospel, I said you need to know each vipenge, each of the details of what God was saying. For example, as you go down, he said, the fear of God, give God glory with all your life. God judges sin, the judgment day is near. You need to prepare for the return of Christ. All those things that constitute the eternal gospel. You need to know them. And we said that verse 9 to 11 of Revelation 14 that the wrath, torment is coming for those that have the mark of the beast or put it on their forehead or arm. What, what is the beast? What is the mark of the beast? Well, you need to know those things so you don't have it. Of course, you're not in that dispensation, but you need to be aware. You need to know about the tribulation and the great tribulation that you may avoid it, that you may take your Christian salvation much more seriously now. That you may avoid entering there. That is the endeavor we have been making here. That is the effort we have been making here. Because we've been trumpeting on the deadliness. The terribleness of the great tribulation. Right? Tribulation and great tribulation. Why? That once you are aware, you'll make a right decision to avoid it. So you need to be fully informed. Fully aware about holiness, righteousness, purity, shining the light of Christ in you, the blood of Jesus, the cross of Jesus as the heart of the gospel, the blood as the power to the gospel. And so, in the book of Isaiah, falling asleep, Isaiah 26 I'm reading, we are still on that one topic, the falling asleep. Those that die before the rapture, right? Isaiah 26, blessed people. I'll read the battery of scriptures and then I'll distinguish them with those who die without Christ. So, for the Lord, there are only two types of death, right? Before we took the short break, I read Revelation 14, verse 13. That blessed are those who die in the Lord from this point on. Meaning, there are only two types of death according to the Lord. It may be cancer, what accidents, whatever. 
but the Lord has only two. Either you die in the Lord or in your sin. Hallelujah. And so, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter 26, I'm reading verses 19 to 21. It says the following. For the Spanish speaking, ellos que habla español across the world, Isaiah 26, versículo 19 al 21. So, Isaiah 26, I'm reading 19 to 21. It says the following. He says, But your dead will live, and their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust of the earth wake up and shout for joy. For your dew is like the dew of the morning. The other version says, For your dew is as fresh as the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her slain, to her dead. Then verse 20, Isaiah chapter 26, he says, Go, my people, enter your rooms, shut the doors behind you, hide yourselves for a little while until his wrath has passed by. Verse 21, see the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the people of the earth. The earth will disclose the, disclose the blood shed upon her. Here they say shed on it. And the earth will conceal her slain no longer. That's a big, big conversation right there. You see the Lord talking very clearly that before every wrath comes, He normally secures His people. That's the first thing that hits you in the scripture. And number two, He's talking about those that dwell in the dust of the earth also there, and how they wake up, right? Very serious. And God sheltering His people. And then Daniel chapter 12, I'm just reading them, i put them together for you. Daniel 12, which is 2 and 3 we've read before. It says verse 2. Okay, verse 1 it says, At that time Michael the great prince will protest your people will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. Then it says, But at that time your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Powerful. Verse 2 it says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, and others to everlasting contempt, to shame and everlasting contempt. Remember when the Lord spoke to me by voice about this. So they split right there. God is quick to secure his own, right? And Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, we say, unto every man is an appointed, is appointed death. Every man has an appointment with death. And after death, judgment. Second Samuel, Second Samuel chapter 14, verse 14, I read. Then I'll summarize everything for you as we get started, blessed people. Second Samuel 14, 14, right? He says the following. Second Samuel 14, 14. He says, like water spilled on the ground which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But that is not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from him. That is serious. He recovers them, right? I'll read them together and then explain. Job chapter 10 verse 8. Job 10 verse 
if you read for me, I think we will move faster because I have so much to cover. Time is running. Job chapter 10 verse 8. Thine hands have made me and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. Serious. And then uh, Romans 14, 8. We read before yesterday, we read today. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. So, in those scriptures, at the end of it, you see a distinction. A distinction between those who are born again, and how the Lord secures them, even if they die, He still takes them to His side. And those who are not born again, or born again, but became rebellious and backslid. And that takes us straight to Second Thessalonians chapter 1, 7 and 9, where death becomes now separation from the Lord. Are we together? I'm introducing death as separation from the Lord at this moment. Second uh, Thessalonians 1, 7 to 9. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. And so there is so much being said there already. Separation, punishment, and separation from the presence of the Lord. So there will be resurrection, but some are resurrected to go into glory. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake some to everlasting life. To go into glory. But there are others that will be separated from the presence of the Lord. Read it again. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, 7 and 9, that they may catch it better now. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels... In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. He says, know not God. What does it mean to know God? What is the meaning of knowing God? Continue. And that obey not the gospel. Of what God does it Jesus. mean to obey the gospel? So he's giving the parameters of judgment, right? That he will judge them for not knowing the Lord. There are many that claim to know him. But if you see the way there, that, that knowing of the Lord is very big because once you know Him, you walk in that way. The knowing Him is experiential. is a relationship with Him. And so, when you don't know, when, when you claim to know Him and yet you don't, it will be seen in your life. And then obeying the gospel, what does it mean to obey the gospel of Jesus? You really want to know that, right? Continue. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power? And that same separation is what you see already defined in Genesis 3.24, right from the beginning. I know that Genesis 3.19 is dust going to dust, but 3.24 is the separation. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword we turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Hallelujah. So we are now trying to get into the deep so you may understand that all that sleep 
will wake up. But then, those that have not obeyed the gospel, have not honored the Lord, have not known the Lord, for them they will be separated. I'm introducing a concept of separation from the Lord. And he says, you can say Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 11 also. Deuteronomy 4, 11. And he came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burnt with fire unto the midst of heaven with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. Serious. And then Hebrews chapter 10, 26, 31, I will explain together. We've read that again and again together with Hebrews 6, 4 to 6 and 2 Peter 2, 19, 22. But read it now. Hebrews chapter 10, 26 to 31. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much more so are a punishment, suppose ye shall be thought worthy who have trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the, the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despise unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that said, It is mine to avenge, continue, he that said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord who judges people. You can you just do that. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Judging you. Hallelujah. The warning is well raised, Psalm 2, 9 and 12. You must get to know all of the above. The judgment of God, how he will judge. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. And so the Lord is saying the following eventually, that your soul lives on and on, and that death is virtually unavoidable. It's appointed to you as we've seen. Death is virtually unavoidable. And that all mankind must experience death without exception unless the rapture happens before you die. And that you live only once on this earth. Please utilize it to prepare for eternity. And that mankind lives only once on this earth. Please use it to prepare for eternity. Utilize it proper. Hallelujah. And that death is not the end of life. The end of existence, rather, is a better word. And that 
when you are on this earth, we are exiles on this earth. Read First Peter chapter 2, 11, 12. Thank you, my son. Is it too cold? We switch off some Hallelujah. Again, read the book of First Peter chapter 2, 11 and 12. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Very powerful. He's saying that we live only once here on the earth. And yet the longer life is yet to come. So on this earth, strangers, pilgrims, sojourners, tenants, passers-by. Hallelujah. That even Abraham, when he realized a better country, a heavenly country, then he simply pictured tent as a tenant, a pilgrim, a sojourner, a lodger, a passerby. That the more you settle on this earth, the, the smaller the chances you'll make it into glory. Because we saw the definition of those that are called the inhabitants of the earth, right? They have settled on the earth, right? And so the Lord is saying very clearly, James chapter 4, read 13 and 17 also, so I can explain it together. James chapter 4, 13 to 17. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get grain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on tomorrow. What is your life? It is even a, a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. That your life on this earth is like a vapor. That's why he said, you are simply asleep. Come into an end and then fall asleep and must wake up on the other side for longer life now. That life, no matter your citizenship, the best countries with best, best health care, best uh, roads, reduced accidents but all people must certainly die one day unless the rapture happens before you die right so death is not the end of existence after death comes judgment accountability and that is why christians consider death as sleep and the scriptures are given right there And he says, those who receive Jesus while here on the earth and live holy lives, they have a heavenly inheritance when they wake up on the other side, right? Very serious, blessed people. So, read the book of John chapter 8, 24. There are two types of people on that side. John 8, 24. And I say therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. 
there are people that will die in their sins. And he's saying the most terrible thing that can ever happen to you is to die in your sins. Because then you will stand in front of that dreadful throne, the great white throne judgment carrying all your sins, and yet there was an ample opportunity for you to hand it over to Jesus on this other side, just to, you, he was willing to take your sin. But you did not. So the most terrible thing is to appear there carrying all your sins. And your name is not in the book of life. Then you'll be tossed into the lake of burning sulfur. Unbelievable. When the opportunity is here. Right? And so we see that the Lord is combining death plus hope. And he's saying that when you grieve and mourn and sorrow, you have to be different from the world. That touches even your life outside grieving. He's saying that the Christians must live a life that is totally different from the rest of the world. Why? Because you have hope. And very shortly I'm going to look at that hope. What is that hope he's talking about? Hallelujah. And he's saying that Christians simply have to celebrate a life well lived. And then death defeated by Christ. Again, go back to Psalm 55.6 just to bring out the cruelty of death and then we see what the Lord defeated. Hallelujah. Step by step. My heart is sore pained within me and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Very serious. And he says here, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died. Your version on verse 14 says, if we believe, right? Can you read it? It uses the word if, right? First Thessalonians 4.14 For if we believe... For if we believe, does not mean he's doubting. Does not mean he's doubting whether Jesus was resurrected or not. That is the same conversation. It says, if I go to prepare a place for you. In fact, it's a certainty that is raising there. Hallelujah. And so, the bedrock of salvation, death, and resurrection of Christ... 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 3. The gospel of the cross and the blood. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And rose again. Okay, let me read mine. Died and rose again, right? 
1 Corinthians 15, 1 onwards, 1 to 3, 1 to 4, the gospel of the cross. Because in there, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then A, B, C, D. In other words, if it is true that Jesus came, died, and resurrected, then even the rapture will take place. Hallelujah. But let me first read 1 Corinthians 15, my version, verses 1 and 4, that you may see what he's saying there. He says the following. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want, you to re I, brother, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand, and by which, uh, by, by which you have taken your stand, by this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Now it goes to verse 3. For what I received I passed on to you as a matter of first priority, first importance, that Jesus died for our sins, and according to scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to scripture. And that he appeared to many people as evidence that he is raised. So, again, the scripture we are reading now is First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. And we are handling different specific details. This particular one says that if Jesus died and rose again, if we believe that he died and rose again, and we are seeing here that he defeated death, he indeed died and rose again. I have seen the Lord. But in scripture too. And then he says in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. Jesus died and rose again. Blessed people. The first begotten read very fast. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The first begotten from the dead. That is what he is referring to in First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 and 14. That that is our hope as the church, the foundation of your faith and the gospel. First Corinthians 15, real quick, we have a lot of scriptures here so I can summarize. First Corinthians 15, 54 to 57. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. Thank you so much. So you see, he defeated death. That is the founding, the foundation of the rapture. That is where he placed the rapture. That Christ Jesus came, died for your sins, and rose again. And I'm simply opening it up a little bit for you. Then it will be wider just in front of us here, right? Then it says Romans 8.11. Romans 8.11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead... If you begin, 9 is better. 9 to 11, so I can expand it for them. But ye are not in the flesh... But in the spirit, if so be that the spirit... That is the first if. 
If at all the spirit lives in you, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if a man has the second if, if a man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ the be third you, if, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit the if that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That is a scripture on glorification at rapture. But the big thing he raises there is that if the, if, if the spirit of the Lord lives in you, meaning there are two classes in the church, there's the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. And you want to be very careful on which side you are. But we are anchoring this on the statement that Jesus came, died, and won the battle, resurrected. Because that is upon which the rapture is launched. First Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. That is our focus now. I just want to expand it for you a little bit more. Step by step, right? Hallelujah. And so... And he says here, Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 11, the cornerstones of the rapture of the church. Even the hope, when he says, we have hope, that don't grieve like those who have no hope. What is the hope he's talking about? I will open it up today. Hallelujah. Step by step. Still introduction, continue. Whereon to I am appointed a preacher, and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Okay. Isaiah 25 8. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. That is very powerful. That this victory that he says you Christians should enjoy to make sure that you anchor your faith, your hope on uh, what Christ did on the cross was already prophesied much earlier. That Isaiah saw that he would come and deliver that victory. He would defeat death and bring resurrection to the church. This resurrection that he's saying should be your cornerstone as a Christian that as you live your life as a Christian, even as you face death, you don't grieve like the rest of the world that have no hope. This hope he saw earlier. Isaiah saw that he would come and defeat death and bring resurrection, right? And then Hosea also saw it. Hosea 13, 14. Hallelujah. I will ransom them from the power, the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death or death. I will be thy plagues or grave. I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. And so, even Hosea saw it, that he would come and defeat death, bring resurrection to you. That if we believe that Christ died and rose again, so we also believe that on that day when God sends him in rapture at rapture, you bring with him the souls of those who have died earlier. 
Halleluja.